Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group, and that is the place to go, especially for the people that want to know, well, how do I do an episode of things that Nick loves? For instance, we all know Lit Nick loves a big, fat, juicy peach, right? Who doesn't yeah. love a big old peach? Yeah. Especially a peach milkshake IPA from the Great Divide. Oh. I saw this and I go, oh, I got to bring this in on the episode. Mm, things Nick sure. loves. I mean, Nick hates. Huh? Is that what it is? They wanted to know things Nick what hates. Irritate, what bad. irritates Nick? I I, my bad. Like... I messed that one up. Uh, you know, I figured you would love. I'm going to send it over to you when I, I get some more stuff out to you from HQ. This peach milkshake IPA. Yeah. What a man! What a manly beer. <laughs> I love right. I love beer, guy, as you know. Buying and selling, Nick. What are you up to? I'm actually going to buy this week, and I'm going to buy uh, something on TikTok. I think for those that don't know or aren't on TikTok, TikTok's probably the driving social media platform for detailing as far as views now. And we could have had an ugly situation. I want to applaud some professional detailers on that platform. None of them I know uh, personally or have any dealings with that. We had an ugly situation where somebody was telling people how to remove deep scratches on a car, which is great content, right? Uh, I was very excited to see that. And, uh, turns out that person in that company used a body shop, white pen and no sandpaper, you know, basically it was just a fraudulent post and I'm, I'm buying that those kinds of situations can get ugly in our industry, right? Where professionals stitch it and start going crazy. And this guy's a liar, Marty, we really didn't see that. We saw guys just say, this doesn't make sense. This isn't really truthful. Don't believe this. You know, I had one guy held up some sandpaper and said, oh, wait a minute. The sandpaper is going to come soon, right? And never did. And, you know, we've been telling guys for a long time that the internet is not real and that you need to understand who you're dealing with and the people and the honesty and the integrity behind people. And that's hard to do through the internet. But I think if... You look at that company today, they could have had a really ugly amount of stitches on TikTok. I didn't see that. I saw some people, but those weren't the professionals. And so it's really easy to bang on the professional detailer. But in this instance, they actually knew and called BS, but most did it in a professional manner and trying to educate the consumers that were being taken advantage of in that situation. So I, I want to buy what I saw. I'm not saying there weren't some bad ones but a very large percentage of them were basically just trying to inform that this isn't true. I enjoyed watching the people that, that commented back and made specific videos about that. And it was interesting. I sent that some of those videos to people and had some discussions about it. It was crazy, right? Like you'd see that big scratch, see it disappear and then have everybody give their reasons why it, I'm with you. Cause there's a lot of times you go into what might be the interesting side of TikTok versus Facebook, right? Like, inside the Facebook groups might've gotten a lot worse, might've gotten a lot worse. So, all right. Uh, I am also going to 
Yeah, I'm also going to be buying and uh, I'm going to be buying. This is a uh, comes from a story being in uh, late delivery on Friday. Got to go out to a car wash, drop off a, a couple of products where they use our concentrates and a couple of things from us inside of the volume world of HyperClean. And I'm sitting there talking with the, the, the manager and they're doing some training. And there's a guy doing some, some training and he's a young kid. And right, you know, and they're going through everything. And right about then, this, this G35 coupe just goes strolling across the parking lot right next door at the advanced auto parts. And I look over there because that's a vehicle I've always enjoyed, right? It's kind of one of those bucket list vehicles for me. And he goes, oh, that's why I'm here. It's like, that's interesting. What? The whole reason he got a job at the car wash was to be around cars and to one day, right? This was the cool part. One day his paycheck was going to buy that car he wanted. Oh, yeah. And I just go, yes. Like, right. I'm buying, going to get a job in the industry that you enjoy so that one day you can get the car that you want. Right. Buying it, man. What a great, love that attitude. Love it. Well, may not, may not day. love the industry, but may love being around cars. Right. You don't have to love the industry you're in, you have to love cars, right? That's kind of probably something he thinks about. Uh, I know that was my, my experience in detailing. I've told people, you know, detailing is great and all, but it was a chance to be around cars. So it's cool. Uh, you know, we, we have some relationships building with, with some of, of those types of people in your area. And it's cool to hear that the passion for cars is still massive, right? And it's all different types of cars and whatever kind of floats those guys boats is great. I'm all for it. Uh, I am all for all the people now starting to make jokes and wondering all the license plates people are beginning to see going, damn it, Nick. Like now we're all guessing because we all see them, right? We can't see the license you can't, you plate. Can't unsee it. Now you can't unsee it. And we could all have one finger up for Nick. <laughs> now, one license plate vehicle that I'm curious if we'll be seeing some of these interesting, you know, <laughs> what in the world does that mean is the new Mazda CX-90. If anybody's been on YouTube watching anything, you've been inundated. They have definitely plugging into that banner on a regular basis with yep. their commercial showing the new CX-90 plug-in hybrid, which they're saying is the most powerful engine they've had yet. Uh, I know Dustin, as he was giving me a hard time, he'll enjoy this part, that it's a turbo inline six. Oh, got it. Yeah, with a plug-in. Right. Power trip. Yep. So yep. Uh, Mazda, right? Interesting. Are they another group that's trying to step up into the luxury when they shouldn't really be there? Because I've I tried to buy a Mazda in the past. I think I've shared the story with you. I've shared it out on episodes previously. Like I was trying to buy a Mazda, that Mazda three when it first came out then the Mazda six. I kind of decided the Mazda six because the Mazda three drive was just horrible. I hated the experience when I did a test drive and I go, okay, let me get this Mazda six. It should be an upgrade. Both times I get out of the car and I'm at that point, 27 years old. And I go, Oh, these seats. Oh, my back. Like, yeah. Oh, it's just not comfortable. And yeah. I end up in an accord, sit down yeah. in those seats, the technology in it, the power, everything around it versus a Mazda. I just, wow. Is Mazda in trouble trying to go this level? Well, Mazda has 
a really, I think it's like a 103 or 105 year old company. I mean, it's a really old company. One of the things that, that people don't know is Ford owned it for a while. Now I think you have Toyota and like a Japanese bank are the main owners of Mazda. So they're probably getting most of their stuff. Although I know they have their own factories. They're probably getting most of their technology out of the Toyota engine program. But, you know, with the CX-5, which is probably one of the best, you know, mid-sized crossovers out there from a design perspective, Mazda's done well for a long time. I think they sell, what, over a million and a half vehicles a year. I don't think they're ever going to be a massive player because of their ownership issues. And what I mean by issues, car companies that constantly change hands, you know, and somebody else is an ownership group. I was just talking about Land Rover Jaguar, which is owned by an Indian company and has been for a long time. But, you know, it was Ford before that. You know, you look at Toyota, Toyota's owned by Toyota. Chevy's owned by Chevy. They're not really changing hands. I like what Mazda's doing now. The question is, where are they going to price this? Are they going to be competitive for a three-row SUV? The plug-in hybrid is absolutely the way to go. This is what I, I think Toyota's banking on. Uh, again, as an owner and also in their lineup, you know, if I start getting 50 miles to the gallon, I'm not going to really care about gas prices that much. And, and plug-in is the way to go. You know, Volvo has a plug-in line. Uh, Panamera from Porsche has a, has a plug-in hybrid platinum. I think this is actually the future. Uh, electric's going to have a lot of issues with it. But the question for Mazda is, where do they price it? You know, it starts to get up to $85,000 and you're going to go, I'm not paying 85 grand for a Mazda. So that that's kind of yet to be seen because I don't think they've kind of hit the dealership, have they? Or, no, or they're about 90 to? of them in April. That's, that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be 90 of them land here in April. Yeah, and they do. I think most of their stuff comes on a boat from Japan. So I, I think it's it's pretty taxing to get their cars to the U.S. But overall, you think it's a good play and it's not a, a brand trying to outstep themselves and get into no, luxury. No. But it depends on, right? It depends on where they price it. If yeah, they put themselves... Jeep, by the way, Jeep Wagoneer is not a problem at seventy grand, $65,000, $55,000. It's a problem at a hundred, right? So this is, this is where we'll get the answer to Mazda's problem. It's... It, Nobody wants to pay 90 grand for a Genesis, right? So they have problems selling them at that price. The, the question is, is not whether you're hopping into luxury. It's whether you're hopping into high price luxury. If they give this vehicle at a reasonable price with a ton of bells and whistles, it absolutely can take off. The problem is everybody's trying to get their flesh of skin right now and seeing if we can't, you know, get somebody on a 40 grand car for $110,000. I mean, I just don't think that'll do well for Mazda, but they got a smart ownership group. So let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. While we're waiting to see what Tulsa King does for season two, we keep waiting and waiting. Eventually Stallone will get back here to Tulsa. In the meantime, well, we get little drops in a podcast. Like you sent me a podcast, a smoking tire. We get the drop of Tulsa and Jackie Cooper, which is super fun. I sent the episode. Where to I got my vehicle. That's where you got your vehicle. It's somebody I dealt business with for 10 years. So I sent it to a couple of people getting our name drop over the episode. A lot of fun, interesting stuff. They talked about there being things in Tulsa and the dealership world. Huh? <laughs> Something that uh, this dealership did. Well, they hit a small animal with the vehicle, yep. fixed it, didn't report it. On the Carfax. What? What? Yeah. 
Right? I thought everybody in the warranty game told me Carfax was the truth. Just uh, news brief, right? I mean, this is now, and they talk about it on the episode, he got the vehicle for $3,000 less than everybody else. And he was basically saying, because this dealer had hit somebody, it was a finance manager, hit an animal, repaired the damage under the yep. table, Quote, never got unquote. reported. Yeah, no, it's, this is always a great lesson that you buy enough vehicles. It's very easy to tell who's kind of authentic in this part of the world, right? Carfax is a great starting point. It gives you a little bit of information, but acting like Carfax is the knowledge of a car is bizarre because your car can actually, and there are instances on the verge of being totaled and it not ever beyond the Carfax. There's millions of cars that have lined up in that position. Uh, so Carfax is great. It exists. Uh, I'm not against it existing. I think it's a benefit. I think it's about 1% of a benefit and the other 99% you're going to have to fill in, but here they are selling it to one of the big YouTubers basically don't really disclose how bad it was because they didn't have to. And he goes and, and, and finds out sort of, let's call it during the purchase process. But then when he got the car, he realized that wasn't really the honest truth. And it kind of shows you how kind of backwards this car world is. Once somebody knows you hit an animal, why not just tell them everything? Hey man, this is what it is. Okay. So you give another two grand off. You, you had that, that was being driven around by the finance manager anyway. It, who cares? It was a nothing vehicle, but it shows you even in that instance, Carfax is not really a help. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting part that came out of the episode was he was talking about, he's got nine vehicles. Oh yeah. Nine vehicles. And they were stressing about this wide interior and they talk about detailing. Well, you no need to take care of it. Just when he's done with it, he'll take it to a detailer because I mean, those guys are magicians. Yep. And then they start having this joke about how magical detailers are and the things that they can do and how expensive it is to have a detailer work on their car so much that these people then make a joke. Hey, are, are you going to now invest into a detailing company? Because it would just make more sense for you to invest into a detailing company and, and make all that money, right? There's this theory that, Hey, just, don't take care of the car with a detailer throughout the years. Just yep. wait until you're done, ready to trade it in. They're going to be a magician. They're going to take care of everything. Yeah, you're going to pay a lot for it, but that's just the way to handle your car. I I sit there, I'm I'm walking my dogs going down, and I hear this and I just kind of stop like, wait, what? Like yep. that is overall a process for many people because he even says, he goes, I need to find a guy, but I can't afford the guy. Yeah. So you, you got into car collection world here, right? We like would this. go, you can't afford not to find a guy. Yep. But let's understand what he was talking about. When you have a lot of cars, your guy, and this is kind of what we've done at VR for those that listen to the episode or just catching what we're saying here, we've become the guy where we'll send it for service. We'll you know, check on the fluid levels. We'll make sure everything's running the way it's supposed to, because once you have a bunch of cars, you're not driving them all that often, right? Here he is with nine cars. Two of them are at his house. 
the other seven are kind of scattered, right? He's got a place on the East coast. He's got a car or two there. He's got a buddy's house. He's got two here. Right. And so this is the interesting part is when you got to his level, when you have nine cars, you're at the breaking point of, I need a guy, but am I going to spend the three, the five, the 10,000 a month for the guy? Because it's not just detailing those cars, right? That detailing price is a number, but now it's becoming the guy that does everything in his car world, like gets the car service, checks the tires, you know, starts the cars, runs the cars, picks up on issues, gets them to the service shop. This is where you get into a world of, again, you picked up on it, but even you are thinking of it on a small scale of he needs a guy to detail him. No, he needs a guy to run the whole thing. And that price starts to get very, very steep. That's why I tell people, I haven't run into that many people that can really afford four or more cars. It's a very tiny number because to do it right, you got to operate on a big boy level. And here's a guy that sold part of his company for $38 million. And he doesn't feel like he has the money to, uh, you know, run his car, nine cars the way he should. And he was pretty honest about it. He was. And they started getting into a conversation about deferred maintenance. Right. And that's a theory inside of the car world is how do I put off this maintenance? And here's where I really wanted to hone into on the maintenance of the cleanliness of enjoying your car, right? There's no better way to enjoy your car than have it, of course, operational, but have it clean. Nobody wants to go out and have a dirty vehicle. So what, <laughs> how, what, how do we begin to realize that deferred maintenance on my cleanliness and having a guy that I can depend on to, to come clean my car, detail it, keep it clean. Maybe I'm the guy that likes to do it. I can't defer that because then I'm just basically eating away at my own enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, so that's a great way of putting it. I, I think here's, you know, I've, I've kind of coined this term in our company at VR. I've said it here, class of ownership. Okay. When I, when I want to have, when I look at the, the, the top end class of owners, they all act a certain way with their cars. It's non-negotiable. They never drive them dirty. Again, they get rain. They want to get it cleaned. They, they, they get some crumbs on the floor. They want to get it vacuumed. They're, they're a higher class of people. Now, mind you, that could be a middle-class person. That can be an upper-class person. That could be somebody with two cars. That could be somebody with a hundred cars. Because I've had a plenty of people with 50, 60 cars that have zero class in their ownership. Zero class. Like I've shared this before. One of the biggest clients that I've had to turn away had no class with his ownership. And I didn't butt heads with him. You know, we still have a decent relationship today. We provide some services to his collection, but he has no class with ownership. And I, him and I have had that conversation. You listen to the way they talked and, and Matt was a little bit more honest. And he said, look, I'm not driving around a dirty car anymore. I basically have a facility here at the storage facility. Now, like I'm addicted to it. You kind of saw his world change by having it so readily available to him. That's been the thing I've said for years on this podcast. Once somebody drives a clean car consistently, they'll never want to go back to the old way. It's our job to start educating the consumer. Cause here's two of the most educated consumers in the car world. One, when his whole life not really understanding, and he's friends with the biggest YouTube detailing star, childhood friends, he actually owned a car wash with him back in New York. 
got away from him, had a class of ownership that was a little less. Now he now has a facility back that he owns and he's like, oh yeah, man, I'm like addicted to it. Right. People think like, I just make things up like, oh, well, it's just out of the blue. That's Nick's opinion. Folks, this isn't my opinion. This is what everybody experiences. This is how you know if people have actually detailed cars. When you see somebody become addicted, they they never want to drive a dirty car ever again, and their class of ownership goes to a higher level. Their enjoyment of their car life, right? Like, you just enjoy it better. There's, who likes to roll around like, like you said, at a dirty ride? So here's uh, here's somebody that we joke about on a regular basis, right? Corvette guy. It's a guy like – we joke around about the tube socks. There was even during Halloween, it was, you know, you could get his, his uniform in a sense. Oh, yeah. uh, we joke around about different people inside of the industry as Dustin and I love to joke and, and throw jabs back and forth about, you know, Dodge truck guy or something like that. Here's somebody that uh, we got to have a fun discussion and joke about is the uh, need a lawyer guy. Right. Like need a lawyer guy is really becoming fun. It's really becoming interesting of people that suddenly need lawyers because of these random reasons that you just go, okay. Interesting. I don't think you've, I don't think you've ever had a lawyer, uh, but here, here's what it is. What's your lawyer, right? I had a lawyer for my divorce. 40 something thousand dollars at divorce and what that did. I had a lawyer at a time when my car wash, we were still in a a beginning stages of the build. We had a contractor that went rogue, stole over $200,000, didn't pay contractors. We found a crew, the concrete crew, because we had tilt up concrete walls. They had chains on it, ready to pull them down because they had gotten screwed. We needed a lawyer fast. And we needed a lawyer that cost a lot of money. And yeah. overall, that overall deal was almost half a million, just under half a million. I think like 450, something like that. $450,000 mishap. It put us way behind our build and everything that we did for budget wise. I needed a lawyer. Yep. What does a yep. detailer need a lawyer for? <laughs> well, uh, Facebook detailers don't need a lawyer. Uh, they, they ask a question. Uh, well, I got this business and this employee did this and this, this guy went and did this. And then, you know, here's a guy that has no interaction on any of his posts, you know, maybe a comment or two every day, multiple times a day. Magically, this detailer starts talking about an employee did this and, and I need this, I need a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden 30, 40, 50 detailers come out of the blue and tell him exactly what he needs. So not only are they detailers, they're legal experts. Here's what I would tell you. If you need advice on a problem, the way lawyers work is you call them and schedule a paid consultation. I'll pay your fee. I need to come in and sit with you for an hour because I need to ask you some legal advice. That's how big boys do things. This is where we have a little bit of an issue sometimes. When you talk about you need a lawyer, it's on Facebook or on TikTok or on Instagram. It's very clear you've never hired one because it's pretty straightforward. You find a great lawyer. You always keep his number in your back pocket on your cell phone. And you know when you pick up that phone that it costs money. And so you're not real quick to say I need a lawyer. My story, which I've shared on here before, is I tried to lock down legally uh, 
because they approached me with a massive multinational PPF company to own all of Las Vegas rights. This is why I tell people, show me the legal money you've paid to lock down a territory because it takes a lot of money. So I got approached by them, not the other way around. And I said, okay, well, we need to make this legal because if I, you guys have no footprint here, you'll, you'll never have a footprint here unless I come in, which is still true today. This is years ago. So my story is really simple. I paid about six figures in lawyer fees and they backed out of the deal. So now I had to pay more lawyer fees to go after my money. And guess what? All that did was get me back to even with the money I'd spent. I didn't get some magical big payoff. I had to front all this money. They did some unethical things. They actually admitted to them. Took them a while to reimburse the money, though. And it took, you know, legalese and this and that. And that's why I'm not real quick to hire attorneys. I mean, we have a fender bender here in my company right now that we just got word may go to trial. But, you know, State Farm handles the lawyer for that. And every time I got to get on the phone with him, I'm like, it's a waste of time. Now I'm not paying the bill, but I know state farm is. And let me tell you, this guy's earning a lot of money. <laughs> and so, yeah, the funny guy on, on, in the business world is I'm going to get a lawyer and that's going to fix my problems. That's a surefire way of saying, tell me I've never hired a lawyer without telling me I've never hired a lawyer. So you know, Nick, as iron sharpens iron, sometimes you got to have these purposeful discussions, right? <laughs> you didn't just say that, did you? <laughs> sometimes you just got to, right? Uh, because overall, what is purpose? If, right, and this conversation, if, if you're not one of those listeners, you go, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I get it. Okay. But what about right the time that these people spent, the time that they invested? Let's have a purposeful discussion. Let's use it to have a little bit of a moment because you and I have had this thought process of where we go, things that we're spending time on, what will it come into fruition for? Right? Like, because overall in business and in life and everything, right? Being at 44, about to be 45, you start to really think about your time and you go, what things have I spent time on that I understand that I'm just wasting literally yeah. is it's just maybe as entertainment and it's wasting, but then there's also time that I spend that I hope to gain something from. Yeah. And that's where ironically, some of these posts and some of these people where you just go, well, I mean, what are they, what are they really hoping if, if I'm going to sew into this and what am I going to reap out of? What, what, yeah. What's going to happen from things like this that I spend this time on? Yeah, we, we have to all ask ourselves. We all waste a lot of time, right? At times, we know we're doing it, like being on social media and goofing off. At other times, you go down this rabbit hole of talking to zero people who have legal knowledge of what to do. Uh, I've hired a lawyer, and I've paid six figures. You've paid six figures. I'm not a, I'm not a legal expert. If I ever get asked, I always say, Here's a good lawyer I know. You do the same thing. Matter of fact, you just had that situation a few times here recently. It's really easy to get caught up in things that you think because online somebody's talked about a non-compete clause. Well, folks, you then have to enforce them, which takes more money, which takes more courthouse time, which takes 
Because just because you have a piece of paper, and again, for any of those 2020 or Dateline watchers, there's plenty of people that have gotten a legal restraining order. And magically, you're watching Dateline and go, that person still got killed by the guy that had the restraining order. Because it turns out paper isn't worth that much. It's the enforcement of the paper. And this is what so many people, and again, I would say me until I went through it, not meaning on Facebook, but just mentally, I didn't understand the legal world. I didn't understand how rigged and fixed it was. I didn't realize who it was benefiting and who it wasn't. And let me give you the answer to that test. The lawyers and the people that work at the courthouse, that's who it's benefiting. And most great lawyers will actually say that to you. Because guess what? They know you're going to pay that thousand bucks an hour regardless because you need them. So that they're not in the business of lying to you. They're like, yeah, man, I've made, look at that boat I got out there. Like they're pretty honest people when you know them. And it's about where your time, look, man, employees are going to leave. Just going to happen. You're not going to fix it with a piece of paper. And guess what? Some of them may start a business and go talk to your current clients. A piece of paper is not going to stop that. Because guess what? Then you have to legally enforce it, which takes more money, more time, more effort. And by that time, your customers are long gone. So one thought exercise might be in a sense, like if something happens to me in life or in business, I need to quickly analyze if I spend time fighting against whatever has happened to me, is it really going to produce something that's valuable for me or should I let some things start to brush off so that I can really make sure that I'm journeying down the correct path? And let me throw this story out to put it into a little bit of a uh, illustration because this weekend I had some garage time, right? Like I had some time out in the garage getting ready to get ready for spring cleaning and got to spend some time on the wagon here. Got to start getting some stuff that's is in my calendar for this year. So in order for that to happen, I need to clear some space in the garage. Going through some boxes, I found something that I sent a picture to you. It was a really cool watch for me. It was a yeah. watch of 2003, four, five, somewhere through there I would have bought. Um, it was a watch that I bought off the streets of Malaysia because at that point in time, I was building a business and a nonprofit organization, which I would go in different parts of the world through that organization. On the streets of Malaysia, I found one of the most authentic out of Hong Kong. You had to work your way to get to the right guy, but you could finally find the out of Hong Kong authentic replicas. And it was a really good Rolex because it, you could see in the video, there's a slight hesitation, but overall this ticker didn't tick. It glided yeah. pretty well. Yeah. And it was on kinetic energy. So even after 20 years, when I found it, I put it on, I pulled back the pin, twisted a little bit, put it back in and boom, started rolling again, 20 years. And you go, Wow. A fake Rolex. Look at you. A fake Contri Rolex. Contributing to the, the demise of the American dream. Absolutely. I <laughs> called it a Folex. That's an inside, inside joke for detailers alike, right? Because there's a product that many of us enjoy, right? So, but I eventually took that Folex off because as I was growing through detailing and enjoying my life, started dating somebody who... Got to meet the family, got to go back to the house, 
got to sit on the couch. And then suddenly she goes, Hey dad, he's got a Rolex like you do wrong. <laughs> oh shit. What'd she yep. just say? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I just kind of tried to show it, throw it back down. He's like, Hey, is that a day date? Which kind mm. do you have? She goes, Hey, why don't you take it off so he can see it? Yeah. Is oh, that a presidential? No, it's not any of those things. This is a Hong Kong special. Have you seen one of these, sir? <laughs> Fortunately, he did not rat me out, but we eventually stopped dating, you know, and I got to skid through that moment, right? 100% I don't know if he, he told his daughter, yeah, you realize you you're dating a guy with a fake Rolex, right? Exactly. But it was at that moment that I realized what I do, if it's not purposeful, it will eventually cost me. Oh, yeah. it's a good point. And I think that there's a lot of listeners that can start to realize it's time that we spend doing a lot of things that might not eventually transpire into what we want. And you will eventually get found out. Yeah. So, you know, let's look at the post we kind of started this with where you're, you're out there and you're telling people this story about this employee and you're talking to a bunch of your followers, none of which are, are attorneys, obviously, with the responses. And you look at it and you go, if you have any of your customers who are super educated in this field, or let's just call it financially well off, they're going to judge you for this post. Because you Absolutely. and I have hired attorneys, we judge people for these posts. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like when somebody calls a detailing, you have a disgruntled customer and maybe they paid you 200 bucks to do a detail and they go, I'm going to get an attorney. You probably had that at the car wash. If you do business long enough, you'll run into attorney guy or gal. The funny thing is, is that my response now is it's 10 K to get in the door. We're arguing over 200 bucks. I don't think we're really going to hire an attorney for this, but it's a red flag for those of us that are educated on that world. And the people that are usually the most educated about lawyers are the ones that have paid a lot of money to lawyers, which means at one point in their life, they've had a lot of money. Just like your Rolex story, this guy had enough money to have a real one. He knows what they look like. He knows what to look for. And he is going to judge you. Now, if that was a business meeting and that guy noticed your Rolex, you could have lost an opportunity because you want to talk about something that watch people don't get down with fake watches. And if somebody's bought a Rolex or had one given to them, it's usually a fairly special piece. It's the same thing about going online and making these posts about attorneys. And we can go on and on about this list, you know, bitching how much your gas bill is. Uh, that's a red flag to people that actually run businesses that know gas is expensive. We all get it, but we all pay for it. A big fun red flag happening right now. If you're out there in public bitching about egg prices, <laughs> which I got in my family this weekend on a FaceTime call. I'm like, why are we talking about this? Like, why am I being brought into your idiotic conversation? I don't want eggs to be expensive. You don't either, but I don't run the egg farms. So, you know, magically, I don't have a lot of opinion other than you got to pay the price. I mean, what are you going to do? Try to walk out? I mean, there isn't any option. Like literally when I got that from mine, I go, I mean, there's people here in Oklahoma. We could, we could put a, 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 a chicken outside. I mean, people here in Oklahoma do it all the time. You yeah, can have your I own mean, chicken out in the egg, yard. And, yeah. If you love eggs, I mean, yeah. fix the, I, I, whatever. 
But there are all these things. I don't want to get off on this because this weekend, I got to tell you, I was like pulled into the stupidest FaceTime conversation I've ever had probably with some family members. But let's get to that is, actual episode of things that irritate me. Here we go. <laughs> Dude, I'm just trying to mind my business in my house, playing with my dogs and my kids. And all of a sudden I have the, the, the camera turned on me and I just go, oh, God, <laughs> here we go. Um. But there are things that you can put out into the world that that unfortunately very successful people are going to judge you for, right? They're going to judge you. And when you're in business for yourself, especially, you don't want to alienate people with money because at some point you'd like to do business with people that have money. And so this is kind of one of those things where people don't think about the consequences. Oh, it's my personal Facebook, but you're always talking about your business on there. So putting your political opinions all over the place on this quote unquote personal page that you promote your business and the list goes on, right? I just named off four or five or six or seven things that people can do. And we all get judged for them. I don't, I'm not the guy, the arbiter of if, if that's fair or not. I don't know if it's fair or not. I just know how that's how the shit works. And when I see somebody make a legal post about something I know is completely bullshit, there's nothing I can do more than go, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Why? Because I've been through it. You've been through it. And you know how that legal game ends and you know how hard it is to get something resolved. So you don't magically bring up lawyers very often in your life. No, but the interesting characteristic combination that we find in many of these people, well, a lot of them are also, you see a tie in back to the same other guy that is, Here's a trophy guy. Hey, <laughs> that's a you, good point. You're you you're doing all right. Here's a trophy, and I it slapped me in the face this weekend. Leaving our fun indoor, a lot of great fun, had a really great time indoor soccer game, and it came time to be finished with the soccer game, and I was asked if we were going to Krispy Kreme to get donuts. So well, what for? You didn't score. Yeah, but I played. And I played really good. I go, wait, what? Like, that slapped me in the face. And I started to remember, okay, what was the first time I actually remembered hearing of a participation trophy? Because there'll be some listeners that will never have understood a moment of their life where they didn't just get given a yep. shiny golden object to reward them for being a part of a league. Yeah. I it, it was for me college. I was a youth minister also playing football, collegiate football and baseball. And I started to hear of these kids that listen, if I didn't you know, get out on that field, I didn't get a letter, right? If if I didn't work yep. hard, I didn't get a scholarship. Right. So, if I didn't earn it i didn't get it and so i started hearing of kids that were just getting stuff and then then i got into being an adult and having some babies who then started playing soccer i i had a little moment that very first season where my daughter got sixth place and was awarded a trophy and i had to let her have it back but i took it from her but and now I, it, but hold on, Marty, it's infected everywhere. I mean, it's infected the everywhere. whole society. I mean, 
those in the detailing world, that's all you see now. That's all you see is participation trophies. I mean, we just, you know, you can sink massive companies and get a participation trophy in this industry. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it's just infected the world. And, and look, I'll say this as a company owner, you want a fastest way to destroy your company is to let them buy into participation. I don't reward participation. I reward excellence with a lot of money. Call me crazy. You guys bust your tail. You guys do a terrific job. You guys are awesome. Here's money. Here's a raise. Here's you. Here's a company truck. I don't do participation trophies. And, you know, look, we don't have to fire very many people at VR these days. Uh, Very fortunate that we've sort of weeded that out. We had to fire somebody recently. And let me tell you his mindset. Being here was good enough. 10 minutes late was good enough. Well, I'm here, aren't I? Where do you think that comes from? The participation mindset. And again, you see it throughout this industry. Okay. So this isn't a judgment on youth sports. This isn't a judgment on something else. It's something we watch in a professional detailing industry, probably at a level I don't see anywhere else. I mean, it's just participation trophy after participation trophy. It doesn't matter if somebody's killed it, really done good things, sunk a company, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, and again, it's so funny that there'll be a lot of detailers that harp on participation trophies. What happened to the good old days? And then they'll cheer on the participation trophies all over this industry. So which is it? Right? I mean, you and I, I'm not okay with participation trophies. It's not me trying to be a hardo either. I'm not like, oh, you know, gotta be, you know, Bobby Hardass. It's just like I wouldn't want one. Even when I was a kid or I was in high school or I was in college, I didn't want a participation trophy. That shit would just get smashed. Like, I don't want this. I know we got beat. Like, why would you want that? But again, we are okaying behavior, not only in kids, but we're seeing it in the industry we're, 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 we're participating in as adults. That's all that it is. Let's pat somebody on the back that really didn't accomplish well, very much. Listen, I was about to pat you on the back and say you're participating, man. Good, <laughs> good job. Good job, man. I, I'm about to send you something. And yeah. it's going to be a peach milkshake IPA. I know. That's what you said. I'm still waiting on it. Can we overnight that <laughs> at $700? But so, I mean, ultimately, why do we care about this? It's fun to right? talk we, about. It's fun to talk about because we see it and we laugh, right? Like, and you go, yeah, cool. There's people handing out all kinds. It's, it's here. It's Oprah, right? You could go to if, you get listen, an award. You get an award. You get an award. <laughs> and you get an award. And you, you get a car. This one, and I'm gonna hand it out to you. And you get an award. Like it's just, it's really laughable. But there's also, there's also, to my point a second ago, there's also some iron sharpens iron, purposeful discussion in this, right? Like. Sure. Why should we be concerned about this or should we not? Well, if you're going to run a company, you better be concerned. If you're going to run a company and I don't care whose company it is. I don't care if it's detailing, if it's a law office, which we talked about earlier, if it's a doctor's office, let me tell you something. You can say it doesn't matter. And you're right. As long as you're not the boss. If the, if the responsibility falls on you and you need to hire 10 people, if those 10 people all just want to participate and get a pat on the back and not really chase excellence, 
you might as well close your company tomorrow. So it does matter. Now, does it matter in the way we joke about it? Like who cares? You know, look, if you take a participation trophy, it says enough about you. I'm just going to have a laugh about it. Okay. I don't really do anything else. I don't care. I don't make fun of you in public. I just laugh at you. I have a few really good people in my life that try to achieve excellence. We'll, we'll have a joke about it. We'll even joke on one another. If we happen to get a plaque in the mail for some, like, we're not okay with this stuff. I don't want people around me that are okay with this stuff, but I think if you're going to run a company, you need to be very concerned about this participation mindset because it will absolutely sink your business, sink your division. If you're, you're the boss of a division of a company and let's, you've got let's, to find let's people chop that, that are chasing excellence. Let's chop that up for a second, right? Why should I be concerned if somebody gets rewarded for mediocrity or just making do because overall I'm trying to build up this team and shouldn't I send them a, a reward for, you know, being around for a long time and surviving through what we're doing, because listen, it's really tough, Nick. And, you know, to survive through things for over a year and year and year, like we, what's wrong with giving them a, some type of piece of paper or a, well, some it's, it's type a of question. shiny object. Here, here's my opinion. When you reward mediocrity, you don't attract killers. You don't, you don't attract the killers that you want in your company. You don't, you don't attract, if you need to hire salespeople and you want to hire five salespeople, you want five sales killers. You don't want five participation trophy people. You're not going to sell as much. And so speaking in my own experience, my guys that lead my teams now are absolute cold-blooded killers about this stuff. They want to make the most money possible. They want to serve our clients the best they can. They, they smile, they wave, they give handshakes. They, they want to go above and beyond because they don't want to mess this thing up. Right. They know that they have an opportunity, but they also know if that guy over there is not showing up for work, he's not going to be rewarded with a pat on the back. He's going to be rewarded with a kick in the ass. And we never allow mediocrity to come into the, the, the wolves den, so to speak. You can't allow that to happen because then it starts to be cancerous and affect the rest of your team. So if you have a team of high achievers, when they see people that don't work as hard as them get rewarded, why would they want to continue to work hard for you? All right, let's break that down. There's some other stuff we want to go on to, but I think let's, let's just break this last part down and then we'll, we'll head out. So there, there is a theory though, that I want to put up, right? Like if you walk through an office of somebody, right? Like I should want to put up all my accolades so that when when employees or team members walk through, they go, wow, this is a really great place to be a part of. Look at all these awards that they've won. Does that yeah. happen? I've never, huh? I don't know. I've never, I've never seen anybody who's a true high achiever care about that. They care about what's our goal. What's our mission. What do I get paid? How do I achieve the next level? Uh, that's what I see. Wait, doesn't mean when you went to don't... your lawyer, right? I went to law. You went to your lawyer. Like you didn't see a whole wall part no. of all these different I, certificates. I, and, and, I, and, I, and I, look, I went I saw, to this class and got I this. I saw that uh, they had their diploma from their law school. Usually uh, I would say all of the continuing education they have to do. No, I didn't see that uh, Books. plastered all over the wall. I mean, here's what I 
would say that you see in most high level offices is a chair, a desk, very minimalist, sit down, let's get to work. There's not a bunch of shit hanging on the wall. There's not a bunch of banners everywhere. There's not, there's not any of that. And again, this is where you have to ask yourself. And this is why I say business ownership is a lot more difficult than people think. If you want to work by yourself, I get it. It's not that difficult. You want to build a team. Now you're responsible. What's the mindset of the team? What am I rewarding? Who am I encouraging? Who am I getting rid of? It's not easy. That part's not easy, man, because look, you've done it and I've done it. Look, we can, we can speak at hyperclean since we've been owners together. We've, we've allowed some people to get away with things that when we turn around, we go, what the hell were we thinking? That isn't who we are. That person should have been let go, right? You never regret getting rid of somebody mediocre too early. You always regret them being on your team too long. So again, while we have a laugh and a joke about the industry or what we see with participation trophies, on a serious note, if you're trying to build something successful, that mindset comes into your company. I hope you move in next door because you guys will be out of business and I'll just take all your clients. Like that, that's not how the real world works. You and I've talked about certain cities that guys are big in that I would love to put a shop and just mow them down because I know they're a participation trophy type of type of company. I welcome other companies with that behavior that is not welcome in my company. Mm. So I hope you have it in your company as a competitor I'm glad we don't have it. I'll never accept it. And I will have a joke about it because it's funny. It, it is. I mean, there's no other way to, to talk about it other than could I ever think of rewarding somebody in my organization for mediocrity? So if I couldn't think of doing that, then why should I be so excited about having all these accolades that really mean nothing? And I, Listen, some stuff that's come out of where people are like, you know, I paid this amount to do this and I paid this amount to do that. Or, I, you know, and they start listing out all this different stuff and they're so excited about invest into yourself. Well, this back to the same lawyer guy, right? Like if, if <laughs> what are we really trying to get out of these posts and being around this stuff and, and putting out these accolades? Do you really think that if I'm the same guy that's talking about I'm a hire a lawyer. To, that's not going to attract anybody good. No. And if I'm also the same guy that's putting out all this other stuff, like how is that really going to attract anybody to come work for me or any? So either way, both of them are almost the same. Non-benefit. It's just yeah, and they're they're the same, right? We see all that kind of stuff. We we see. I made so much, so many mistakes in my business as, as everyone does. Okay. I'm not perfect by any means. I make a ton of mistakes and I got to fix them and I got to rectify them and wish I wouldn't have done this, or I wish I wouldn't have done that. Now I got to do it a different way. Like there's a process of learning that we all go through 24, seven, 365. But again, just like we were talking about Doug's car and class of ownership, there's no difference in your business. If you just magically flip-flop your stance overnight, if you magically start talking 100% different because somebody told you to, people notice that. If you magically take a body shop marker and put a line on a panel and then act like you were fixing a deep scratch, people are going to find out. Doesn't mean you're the worst person in the world. Doesn't mean you're a dictator. Doesn't mean that you're going to you know, destroy the world. But what it means is 
it starts to eat away at the fabric of your own company, your own industry, and whatever else you want to say it eats away at. But we talked to a lot of business owners here. Most of the DIYers that, that have come on board, these guys are high achievers. I just don't do the whole it's good enough thing, right? I just don't do it. And I think that's what's kind of soured me on a lot of things around the professional market is we seem to have it's good enough. And sorry, I don't think that's cool. So, I mean, that can make me a bad guy, but I can, I mean, we can point at things here recently where if guys knew the real story, it would be, I mean, they wouldn't know what to do. You know, they wouldn't believe this stuff is happening. And again, it's not our place, but this is why we have a laugh about it. Because I'm telling you, it's so rampant that we have to actively at HyperClean decide to be involved or not be involved with certain things because of the participation trophy mindset. And that is actively a conversation we have in every company that I own. We're not okay with mediocrity. And, and I think it's it sounds good to say that, but do your actions say that? Right? That's the tough part. Well, that's the tough part. And to your point, right? Like, we could say stuff and we could talk. I think people, even when I've talked to them about it, they still go, oh, I don't be believe you. Well, I don't believe that that person would actually, because they, that person that we're, we would be referencing has yeah. done such a great job of being a con artist. Sure. They've got years and decades of it. They're crafted yeah. at it and they're good at it. They want to run their business that way. All good. Yeah, for sure. The only thing that we've got to say is when you waste your time doing stuff like that, eventually the people that matter the most will look at your Folex and you'll be screwed. And it ain't from their daughter. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, you know, you know, you, you were a I fake Rolex know. guy in too. I <laughs> would mean, know. That's where you get Let one me of tell these. You about hey it. guys, listen to me. <laughs> I know from experience, right? Like, <laughs> I got bit by an alligator and now I have half an arm. Let me tell you what not to do around alligators, right? Like <laughs> this is the fun topic about it is like, we're saying this to our group of people to just say, Hey man, there's a lot of things that go on that you think are no big deal. Right. But they do become a big deal. It's a weird thing. I mean, we, we have, we have, when you, when you're in business for a decade or more, what you realize is, man, some of the mistakes I made really did matter right? Like I really did cost myself. And and let me tell you, man, I've made a lot of bonehead decisions to get to this point, right? Like I certainly don't know everything. You don't know everything, but I do know one thing that some of the mediocrity that you can let in the door could become extremely damaging. And I think it's a fun conversation. So I'm glad we did it. Me too. All right, Nick. See you All next right, week, man. Talk to you soon. Hey community. Uh, as I sipped on this beer, I found it also very interesting because I know Nick isn't going to be a huge fan of the Peach Milkshake, but Great Divide is a really cool brewery that I went to when I was in Denver. See, I spent many years going back and forth to Denver, working with our distributor there in Denver, and got to have some good beers there, the Great Divide Brewery. So I did find it a, a perfect beer to come on, and anytime I get to drink a beer, out of a location where I did some distribution business. Listen, always fun. Always a great time. Thinking through that, as you begin to process the episode of 
how do I spend time that's beneficial through my life, whether that's my car life, what do I do as I do this deferred maintenance or regular maintenance of cleanliness so that I can enjoy my car life better, or it's thinking of business and how do I spend time doing stuff I enjoy and grow a really prosperous business out of it, spending that time on distribution and selling hyper clean products really could be the answer for you. So if you're that guy, and we've had plenty of people begin to continually reach out talking about in their local market with car shows, car clubs, people that they're around where they see a chance to spend some time, sell some great products that everybody knows that these car show guys love slick. They love what we do how they can spend time doing things they enjoy that bring really great fruit of prosperity. You want what? You're that guy? Let's go. Hypercleanstore.com. Go on to the forum, fill out the contact us form, and let's have a discussion about how you can begin spending time that benefits your life further. That's hyperclean distribution. Hey, this is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.